When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm joined by Phil Tallentire and Anthony Vickers for this week's Tripe Supper. Uh, fellas, looking back on that Watford defeat, you looked at the fixtures after that and you did wonder where the hell the next point's going to come from. And Borough since then have got five points from four games with a plus one goal difference and it was a testing run of fixtures as well. Phil, starting with you, looking back on those games, Arsenal, Manchester City, Bournemouth and, and Chelsea, what were the biggest positives you take from there? I think the first big positive was the way I thought Karanka responded. Um, we said after the Watford game, didn't we, that the, the way the team was set up, you're not going to score goals against anybody. And we, we all said Watford looked vulnerable, they were awful defensively, and yet Borough failed for about 70 minutes to, 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 to basically ask any questions of them. So I, th- I think the response from Aito on his players to go into the match against Arsenal and put in a magnificent display, should have won the match, frankly, shouldn't they, after weathering the storm, uh, created the best chances in the match as well. Um, I think that's, that, 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 that told me that Middlesbrough could set out a team that could do a job in any circumstances, really. And then, and then I think even more so than the Arsenal performance, the home game against Bournemouth, I didn't think Borough were particularly great, any great shakes against Bournemouth. I think, I think they were worth the win um, after Bournemouth had created the best of the opening chances. But crucially, they got those home points that they needed. So looking at it as, looking at it as a, a group of four fixtures, we saw Borough set out in a, in a way that showed that they could subdue good teams, offer a threat on the break. We'll, we'll go on to it, the fact that they probably don't offer as much of a threat as we'd like, but nonetheless, we saw against Arsenal at Traore, he's been a breath of fresh air, hasn't he? I know there's, he's nowhere near the finished article, but, but, but that's probably the other benefit, isn't it? The, the emergence of Traore as an outlet, as a player who can frighten defences, who can, who can turn a team around, who can, who can bring other players into the game simply because he runs at pace at people, and um, and causes havoc. So, a number of a number of um, a number of positives, um, and the fact that you know ultimately, after that run of game, Borough are still outside the bottom three. Yeah. Yes, they're close to it, but they're outside. It's the bottom a big three. thing that Borough haven't been in the bottom yeah. three yet. I mean, for me, the positives are that you know we, we probably all budgeted for three points from those those four games, and we've actually got five. So that in itself is a crucial positive. Uh, we've added to the goal difference, which is another big positive. We've seen the development of uh, Adama Traore. Before that, he'd been pretty much relegated to a position of his raw potential and a and a possible impact sub. But we saw that when he started at Arsenal, that he actually had uh, a real impact on the dynamic of the game. And another big positive, I think, is that uh, you know we went into that run and everyone was saying you know uh, Itor is so rigid and inflexible in his formations, and we've seen actually several quite effective changes of formation and, and changes of tactics and that suggests that the managers get into grips of the division uh, and also the team uh, responding to the, the tests put in front of them and they're getting to grips with the division as well. I think going into that run of the games the atmosphere was really quite gloomy. I mean, uh, uh, 
you know, just sort of rewind back to where we were before we went to the Arsenal game and people were pretty much expecting to get walloped in, in all three of those games against mm. the title challengers. Uh, in fact, we came away from the Man City game and, and I think a lot of people went into the game against Chelsea expecting to yeah. get something. And we've come away from a, a, a game against a team that have now won six on the spin, six clean sheets, scored 16 goals or whatever. And we, we were disappointed not to, have get, not to have got something. And to me, that's probably the biggest positive is that maybe as a team and as a town, we're starting to maybe believe that we're here by right now and we can compete. I think, Phil, the, the Arsenal result was obviously massive because I do think we'll look back on that as a turning point for, for a number of reasons. A, it proved that they can handle themselves against a top team. B, it was the, the first time we'd seen kind of Karanka nudge from that system which he prefers and obviously it was the, the explosion of the Dava Triore. But the Bournemouth result was huge, wasn't it? Because they had to follow that Arsenal game up and it was also, you know, the, the, the weeks were ticking by without Borough getting a win. It was huge to get that home win, wasn't it? Because the pressure, as Karanka touched upon, would have only built if Borough hadn't have beat Bournemouth at home. I think it would have been massive pressure if Borough hadn't won that home game because it was the first home win of the season, wasn't it? Um, and there was always that question mark that when Borough had to make the running, they weren't capable of doing it. You know, they were fine when they were playing as the underdogs, so to speak. And uh, we saw, as you mentioned, the Arsenal performance was magnificent. I, I do think um, that, funny enough, it, it was almost the exception that proved the rule because it took a piece of individual brilliance to, to really open the game up from Ramirez. I don't think Burroughs' formation that day did that particularly. And Aitor admitted himself he changed formation, didn't he, mm. mid-match because he didn't think Borough were effective enough in the opening 20 or 30 minutes. So... I think in some respects we're still waiting to see a really convincing home performance. I know that you're going to say, well, that's asking too much. We've just, we've just got a win against Bournemouth. Um, but I think a, a, the, the, whole, the whole match, which we'll, you know, we'll talk about further down the line, the whole match for me will be when we find out whether Borough can take on a team around their level with a system that, that really works for them. Um, I, think, I think where the, pod, the, the great, great positive that's come out again those four matches is when you see Arsenal, City and Chelsea all enjoyed spells of pressure Borough alright the members rode the look a little bit but withstood that pressure and then what we saw was those teams weren't quite as world beaters quite the world beaters we thought because they started getting a bit frustrated they started snatching at chances they started you know they started, you know, particularly City. You felt as though they, they when you asked questions of them, they weren't quite, you know, a million. You realise the human. Yeah, body. yeah, exactly. They yeah. weren't. They weren't a million miles away from Burn. We were thinking probably at the start of the season, well, we're just not going to be able to live with these kind mm. of teams. But I guess we can take from the cup matches we played, you know, against Liverpool, against Man United, against City. Those 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 cup matches proved, didn't they, that yeah. if you get about these teams and you thwart them and you subdue them and you 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 make it hard for them, that they they are they are. Um, Vulnerable. That, that's all very well, but the important thing is to take that that standard of performance yeah, yeah. into the bread and butter games. Yeah. And the big positive will be if the team do that, if the team can sustain those levels of performance, uh, make those tactics work, and take that kind of attitude into the, the, the games that really count. So you talk about the, making the tactics work. Which, which tactics 
do you think Aitor will prefer, or, or which which setup do you think will favour Borough best against teams like Hull and Swansea? Do you think it'll be the the three central midfielders like we've seen against Arsenal and City, or do you think he'll go back to to two holding midfielders and, and three in front? I'm going to be really interested to see what formation. It's interesting you ask the question because I'm going to be really interested to see what formation he actually goes with against Leicester, and then more more importantly against Hull. Um, I think I think we can talk around formations all day, and I think. It's about intent, isn't it? And I think if he hadn't played Triori at Arsenal, that formation wouldn't have worked. If Ramirez hadn't had a blinder against Arsenal, that formation wouldn't have worked. I think it, it sometimes comes down to individuals. The team can be as well prepared as possible, but if you don't... I mean, that was what the real positive about Arsenal was Aitor's decision to, to trust in Triori. And instead of focusing once again on all the problems and all the things that can go wrong with a Triori, like he keeps repeating in press conferences, when he push comes to shove, he picks him, because he knows that if you've got a system that's based on hitting teams on the break, you're not going to do it with players who aren't very, very fast and very, very creative. And that's why it's crucial that Ramirez plays well in that formation, and and, and that's why Borough didn't create chances against Chelsea, really, because Ramirez didn't. A Triori, as, as, as the pacey, dangerous outlet, the, the mercurial player... Um, so I think it comes down to formations to a degree, but it also comes down to personnel. I think I'd like to see him. I, I'd like to see him just make four two three one work better by yeah. getting more out of the wide players. But I'm not sure he's got the kind of wide players necessarily to make that formation work better than the four one four one or four three three, whatever you want to call it. And, and on Traore, Vic, it's a challenge for him, isn't it? In that you know, you look at Arsenal, and we were all surprised when he started. So you can imagine the Arsenal defenders will have been, and, and even at Manchester City. I guess they've only got 90 minutes worth of, of, of analysis to, to look at and, and to study ahead of the game. He now suddenly will become a man who, who opposing defenders target one. Mm. They'll be looking at him, they'll be yeah. sticking to on him. So it's a different challenge for him. It, it is. Weeks, I, isn't it? I think we should be wary of expecting too much of him. Uh, at the end of the day, he's made four starts in the Premier League. Uh, ten times he came off the bench against Aston Villa, usually quite late on. He's come off the bench a few times for us, but four starts... And when we look at other players in the team, you know, like that, that took more, a lot more than four games in this league to get up to speed. And so I don't think we should expect high levels of performance every week from him. He will have dips. Plus, he's a winger and it's in their DNA that they have patchy spells and that. But we know what he can do. We know the potential's there. We know that uh, if, if he hits the afterburners, he can do serious damage to a team. The real task is finding a way of harnessing that. You know, we don't want him to, to burn out. We don't want him to become a target that gets kicked early on and, and you know, shriveled up again. Mm. It, it's, I suppose it's a case of nurturing him while he gets the nous for playing in this league, which is a very, very competitive league. And, you know, Pep Guardiola mentioned that they'd, they'd made special provisions for him. Everyone will be doing that now. And whereas Pep Guardiola's provisions for him were probably uh, uh, very adept, technical, and, and exactly, and, and relying on a lot of skill. Not everyone will take that approach, and he might find that he gets a few kickings early on. So, while he is potentially a match changer, 
I think we have to be wary of expecting that every week. And Traore, I'm sure, has featured in a few fantasy football teams over the last few weeks since his, since his uh, blistering debut at Arsenal. And you can put your fantasy football knowledge to the test and win cash every week at draftkings.co.uk. It's the world's number one destination for one-day fantasy football for cash. You can go to draftkings.co.uk forward slash borough to pick a team and enter this Saturday's Premier League contest for a shot at winning a share of $200. Ooh. That's DraftKings.co.uk forward slash Borough to play for free. That's a first. Yeah, that's the microphone paid. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> we got it right. That's the main thing. Uh, moving on from Trior and a bit further forward to the centre forwards. Obviously, Alvaro Negredo was a subject of much discussion after the game on Sunday. Um, it, there seems to be a split as to those who think that Borough need more from Negredo and he's not offering off, offering enough, <clears throat> and those who think his kind of lack of goals and I guess lack of company is all down to the fact of those playing behind him and not giving him enough support Vic which, which boat are you in? I think it's entirely results dependent uh, at Arsenal I thought he was fantastic you know he, he was uh, holding two and three players off he was physical he was robust he was a handful uh, he did most of it on the halfway line uh, but it, it, in effect he was helping making that shape work uh, against Chelsea he didn't have that impact and if you're not doing that and making the system work and, and playing your full role, then people will just look at you in a different way and that, and that would be the, st- you know, the basic statistics. And what is it, one goal in 12? Mm. That's not a great statistic for a bloke who's, you know, on the thick, that's costing the club on the, the thick end of 100 grand a week. So I, I think it's about delivery. And so long as results are going well for the team, it's very easy for... Uh, the manager to say well you know if it ain't if it ain't broke don't fix it uh, if there are problems and results aren't going your way then the pressure is bound to build on playing either different personnel I mean Nugent could could play that role as the the lone target man or a different approach in which case that might o- open the door for Jordan Rhodes because Phil obviously I mean he has had chances in good hasn't he I think that's a frustrating thing from his point of view and, and he does desperately need a goal I know it's easy to say for a centre forward but you don't necessarily buy into the argument about his hold up play being, being overly effective no I mean first of all I, I, the, the caveat's got to be it must be a really hard role for a striker to play in that team particularly early in the season when Borough weren't getting players forward in support Um Clearly, he's a great player. Clearly, he's got an unbelievable pedigree. But I don't buy the myth that you know he's the only player you can play in that system. The ball doesn't always stick with him. In, in fact, the, the example of the Chelsea match, he hardly ever stuck with him. Probably that's a confidence thing as much as anything. And you're up against world class defenders. Let's not forget. Um, you know, there's, there's a suggestion that you can't play Jordan Rhodes in that Borough team. Well, I'm I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, I'm not saying you know he should have started the season but I think when you've got a striker who's gone 10 games without scoring 11 whatever is uh, 10 starts 11 games without scoring like Negredo has you have to be open-minded to try and alternatives and um, you know we've seen we've seen George Friend adapt to the Premier League we've seen Ben Gibson grow in stature in the Premier League we've seen Adam Forshaw find his feet in the Premier League why can't uh, Jordan Road necessarily find his feet in the Premier League I think there's a case for for giving him a go um you know, I also think there's an argument that Karanka asks to almost too much of Negredo. He's, he's playing virtually 90 minutes every match after running his legs off. Um, and we saw probably the, one of the reasons why he snatched that chance at Arsenal and made such a mess of it later on was probably he was just out on his feet. Yeah. His legs must have felt like lead. I and think, I think knackered is the technique. Yeah, <laughs> and I think, I, think if, I think it might be just, you know, I mean, who might tell Aitor Karanka what to do, but 
looking at it from the sidelines, I would say, you know, with 15, 20 minutes to go, getting a greater out of it, he's done his job, he's worked hard for the team, he's, he's you know, he's, he's still getting up to full fitness after a pretty sketchy summer where his, you know, future was up in the air. And then, and then you'll try, why not try Rhodes for 15, 20 minutes? And at the end of the day, he scored goals in the summer, he scored goal, vital goals at the end of last season. He's a goal scorer. On, on that, Vic, is, is when you've got a player of, of Negredo's pedigree, like Phil touched upon there, and, and we've seen his class, haven't we? You've, you see the, the kind of fleeting bits of, of sheer quality here and there. Is the onus not on the manager to, to work a system to get the very best out of a player like that? Uh, I don't think Aitor's the, the kind of manager that's going to base team around an individual. We know that. It's, it's all about the collective. We know that. Uh, and it was a big investment. You know, they went out of the way to, to bring this bloke in because they believed he ticked most of the boxes for a player in this kind of team. So most managers, I think, would back their judgment. And if the feeling within the club is that you know, results are gradually getting better, performances are gradually getting better, the team is finding more cohesion and the beliefs there, then I think the thinking within the, the camp would be, well, let's keep it going and let's see if it gets better by another 1% here and 2% there. So I, I think that's probably why it's read in some quarters as being outright resistance or stubbornness, but that's what managers do. If he thinks that that's his best shape, best so twelve or fourteen players, then more or less, you know, unless his hands forced, he's going to stick with it. So, at what stage does does that change? At what stage does you know do you look and think Negredo hasn't scored for fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen games? At what point do you think right? Well, now it is time to take him on because a striker at the bottom line, the bottom line is surely judged on his goal score. Well, if if those are his stats, but the team are winning one in three and picking up draws and and staying ahead of the curve that they think that they should be at. I think he'd. I think he'll stick with it mm. because at the end of the day, that's what he's being paid to do. And if he thinks that even a non-productive striker like that is doing enough within the team to get the best out of the rest of them, then I think he will stick with that. I mean, we, we saw that there was a sticky spell, and he changed his shape completely at, at West Ham, and he started with Rhodes and with Fisher, and it was a very different approach. I mean, obviously, clearly he'd made the tactical decision there that right, we're going to change it. And that's what he did. I mean, he may well do that again for a different game. You know, we can't second-guess the bloke. But generally, I think there's a feeling within the club that they're on target. And so I don't think that he feels there is pressure to change. Phil, can a striker be prolific in the way for a player? Because you're looking, and obviously Jordan Rhodes, I mean, Jordan Rhodes had, a, had an awful lot of chances last year and missed them. But you look back over the last couple of seasons and Patrick Bamford's the only one who's really hit the ground running in terms of goals scored? Yeah, I don't think so, no. I don't think you're looking at anybody scoring 20 goals in the Middlesbrough's team. It's just the way... That, first of all, they're set up in a very difficult division not to concede goals. So that, that's the priorities, first of all, to, to not concede goals. We've talked about offering a threat on the break. When you offer a threat on the break, you're creating chances here and there. You, you know, it's... Um, you might score one every three, one every four if you're lucky. You know, you know I think if, if, if Negredo finishes a season with the... Nine to ten goals from the from here on in that will be a very very impressive performance. No, I don't think the way Borough play lends itself to being anybody being a prolific striker. If Borough win games, it's probably often going to be by the odd goal, a very narrow margin. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't try things, of course. And I think the biggest problem with Borough up until the Watford up until the Arsenal game, sorry, was just the fact that everybody was so deep. 
So it wasn't, you know, I mean, we've talked about lack of goals. That isn't just Negredo, by the way. It's, it's about the way the team operates as a whole. You know, Ramirez's lack of impact, the way that Stuart Downing's had to spend most of the match inside his own half or on the halfway line. And really, chip in with goals as well, yeah, don't Yeah, they? of course they do, yeah. And um, the, really, the only change has been really the, 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 the addition of Adama Traore and obviously the sidelining of, of, to a degree of Stuani. I mean, he's another option up front. Mm. He might, you know, he's a, he's a quality international forward. He might be worth a try. No, I don't think anybody will be prolific. We're not gonna f- I don't think anybody's going to finish the season in double figures. I'd love to be wrong, of course. Mm. Um it's going to be. You're absolutely right. We, you know, we've looked at some of the strikers in in the Premier League, and not many strikers in the bottom half of the table. Who, sorry, who play for teams in the bottom half of the table, are the top scorers in their own team. It's just the nature of the game. Most strikers players are one up front on their own, and it's the players on the wide coming in from the wide positions who seem to benefit most from that because they they're, they're not they're not always getting picked up, and they're scoring seem to be scoring the lion's share of the goals. I mean, the exceptions are Vokes and Defoe. But look at the other teams around Borough. They haven't got strikers who have scored five, six, seven goals. I talk Kirk was asked about Negredo after the game on, on Saturday, no, sorry, sorry, Sunday, and, and again backed him because as far as he's concerned, Vic, like you touched on, he thinks he's doing his job and he's, he's up there he's up there kind of, I guess, ploughing the lone furrow but making an effective job of it. And, and Karanka often touches on Negredo's change of mindset this year, how he's been used to not necessarily winning titles at Valencia, but but challenging in in big teams, playing at the at the top end of the table. Does that make a difference? Uh, well, the manager clearly thinks it does, and 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 yes, it probably does. You know, we've seen players who've who've gone from like a Man United to a, a, a lower team, and then it's Emperor's New Clothes scenario, and they're suddenly revealed to be very very average. So I think probably the dynamics of a team the quality of the people that you've got around you and the levels of expectation probably do have an impact on how you function on the pitch. Uh, mainly, I would have thought it was the quality of the players around you mm-hmm. and how you're prepared going into a game. I mean, he, is, he is just he's in his 30s now, yeah. which, which for a striker is getting on to kind of almost veteran stage, isn't it? In this day and age where you have to work so hard, cover so much ground, um, he's a bit like Valdez. He's coming to Borough after. A, I know he scored goals for Len, for Valencia last season, but it wasn't a happy spell for him or the team really. So it's a couple of years, isn't it? Really, since he's been at the top of his game. He's now in his early thirties. He might be on a slight downwards downward downward curve. That does mean to say he won't be really effective for Borough, but but he's not probably the 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 Negredo who was a twenty seven a twenty seven year old you know superstar. I'm 30 in a couple of years. I hope I don't get classed as a veteran. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, fellas. Thank you. Thanks a lot.